billionaires and boxers Steady hustle, no stopping Making it happen, put words into action And quitting is never an option No time to be a loser Gonna live the life that you choose to Time to make a little money and gain some influence With Phil Palucha, yeah I am Phil Palucha Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxers. So this is the business of sport and I am joined by Steve Cleave. Steve, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Nice, great. I'm delighted to be here, Phil. We're going to have a lot of fun. Every time you and I talk, we, we go down a rabbit hole and we have a lot of fun. So I suspect we, we probably should have been recording those conversations because we, we'd have had several episodes by now. <laughs> at least five <laughs> yeah absolutely there's a whole series here um so i came across steve because of his work with king's lynn so steve became the chairman of king's lynn in 2016 i believe yeah it's my seventh year so probably sounds about right yeah, yeah congratulations yeah. That is, yeah. And uh, do you know there's there's a lot that we can discuss when it comes to to, to football. For my American listeners, you're gonna have to get used to me referring to it as football and not soccer. So um, I'm talking about the one with the foot and the ball rather than the hand and the egg. Um, but Stephen and I will talk about the business of sport. I'm really fascinated to kind of get his thoughts and feelings. Uh, for those of you that haven't come across Stephen, he also runs a phenomenal podcast called "I Bought a Football Club," where he interviews some phenomenal people across the game. He also writes some phenomenal articles, which I'm sure we will touch upon um particularly when we start talking about something that's very close to my heart which is about the streaming rights because as i was saying to steve before we came on air i thought that was a great move when clubs are going to be able to start streaming i thought it'd be a great way to start attracting new revenue from overseas for people that were unable to attend the game locally but so far it's not turned out that way has it no i mean look we we because we're in the national. We should explain that the national league system. So that the streaming rights only affect the national league, which is right. the national league itself, which is where we were last year, but sadly where we're not this year. And then below the national league is the, the north and the south. And they're they're, they're doing a, a dummy test model, which I think we are involved with with the north and the south. But the but but the national league have obviously launched their platform, which has had TV problems. I understand. And the problem with it, it's always the devil's in the detail, and mm-hmm. the road to hell is paved with good intentions and this is a classic example really of the road to hell being paved with the wrong intentions because everyone is pushing in the right direction with it uh, and as you say internationally it gives you a platform to build on it gives you it gives you a voice um it, it gives us something to, to to look at but the reality is they've carved up the cake in such a way that in my opinion it's wrong so the way that they've carved up the cake is that 15 percent of the money goes to the national league i think that's fair enough for the for the, for the background marketing etc 25 percent is split between the national league and the and the north and the south on a 70-30 basis, which means that 70% goes between 24 clubs and 30% goes between 48 clubs. Mm. Um, that's the normal split. That's been agreed for years. I think that's okay too. But the problem with it is, is that the rest of the money goes to the club who you support when you... So if you take a Sky subscription out and you say you're a Liverpool fan, mm. then your money will go to Liverpool, the 60-odd percent of it. And mm. the problem with that is, I, I think, is that if you're, if you're hosting the match at home, you surely should get more than a club who isn't involved in the game at all, which at the moment you're not. You're getting the same as them unless the person's ticked the box that he's a supporter of the home club. And that's going to be wrong in my opinion. So I think it's been very profitable for Wrexham Football Club. I think they've made 80% of the sales. So for them, it's been a very good thing. It's been a huge amount. They haven't given these figures out. I must say they're unofficial, I'm told. So that's what I'm told. 80% of the money has gone to Wrexham. So they're probably making, you know, on top of their three million a year they get from TikTok and all the rest of it. It's it's Mm. It's a lot of money for them. But for and it's £200,000, I understand, the revenue stream has, has brought in the first six games. So £9.50 a match. So mm. you, you can work out roughly the numbers. But, but anyway, I, I think I think it's wrong. I think the home club needs to have a, a larger chunk of the revenue to be fairer, and it's just not fair. No, I agree. I mean, the example that you gave in your article was, you know, if 400 Wrexham fans decide not to travel to to an away game, that's that's ticket revenue lost at the gate that then goes into the pocket of Wrexham rather than the home yeah. club. And, you know, m- maybe this is a rather naive approach, but as far as I'm aware, there are two teams involved in a football match. Surely there's a pretty simple split there when it comes to the revenue. Um, if, if there is streaming rights being sold to a game, surely it should be split pretty evenly between the two people involved in that game. I think so, and I think that would be that. There's either there's either got to be that every 
I would have done it slightly different. I think I would have had it so that everyone got the same. It was just split evenly. And then mm. maybe maybe there was a, a percentage of the revenue was then given out to the clubs at the top end. You know, But then, of course, you could argue the bottom end fixtures look exciting and they're on telly a lot more. They may be more interesting than the top end if someone's yeah. gone ahead and won. So you can look at these. That's, and that's the problem with football. There was so many different people with different with different crosses to, to, to put in, that, in the air and they all want their, 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 their own unique situation to them to be mm. um, looked upon favourably. When in reality, uh, the, the, it's very hard to do a decision that, fits of course fits everyone well look football is exciting i have to confess you know i'm a i'm a big liverpool fan so thankfully we've been nowhere near the relegation zone for a while which is good we're not doing great but we're not there but 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 i often find the games at the end of a season where people are you know they have to win to stay up and they're fighting relegation i find those games just as exciting if not slightly more exciting than some of the playoff finals where it's a winner takes all it's 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 very much the same mentality i think it's much more exciting who's going down because it's always the last game and often apart from the man city game when they won it against qpr in the last few seconds most of the time it's done and dusted and it's all it's all over so the, the, but it can go on the on the final the final game of the season it can go to who's going down last to the final kick at the, the final few minutes Correct. change of goal difference so i prefer oh yeah it's a much more and for a neutral the, the bottom end the fight to the death is much more exciting it's when you're having to watch on TV and they've got the, the table keeps popping up in the corner with teams swapping every 30 seconds because somebody scores and then somebody else. It might, I mean I, I can't imagine I mean I, listen having played the game I can imagine the stress as a player I can't imagine the stress from the boardroom as the owner who's sat there trying. I mean are you listening to the other results while things like this are going on are you just trying to focus on your game and you'll deal with whatever comes later like what what's the best way of dealing with that do you think well Look, we because when we got, I only been relegated once, and I hope it never happens again. Um, we should have been relegated twice, but there was no relegation in the first year, so we we didn't learn our lesson. And we, I mean, I learned my lesson, but I'm, I'm, anyway, I've, I've made to learn it a couple of times now. And um, but we got relegated. It was the right thing. We deserved to be relegated. We weren't very good. Um, we spent a lot of money. I just gone through the accounts. We spent we, a lot of money. It was all proportional, but we spent about eight hundred thousand pounds of wages that right. year. And you look at it, and you look at it, and it, you know that, that's that's to put that into uh, to perspective. It, it was uh, probably fifty to sixty percent more than a lot of clubs that were nowhere near the relegation wow. uh, okay. line, which which shows you what we talked about off 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 air that uh, about about the actual is how you spend the money. Yeah, and and, and yeah. it's not just about the money. Money's part of it, but it's not the only part of it. It's a bit of it, but not the only bit. So anyway, but I think. From my perspective, I, I could I couldn't see a way out. And the problem you've got as an owner is when you chat to the manager. I mean, my manager at the time he refused to change his position. He just said, "I'm not changing." Right. Now the problem I've got is that, and and and, and here and here's the, the to give you balance of this is that when we got promoted the year before or two years before, he was then potentially you could argue hot property because we had gone up right. through the playoffs, through the super playoff, which we could talk about later, and then we've gone into the league and then you have to protect your asset. Well, that's what you're told. So to protect your asset, you have to extend the contract right. of, the, of the manager. But that, what that does then, that locks you into the manager. So the manager then changes uh, mm -hmm. or doesn't want to change in, in, in my case, you're then locked in with the, well, it then comes down to his compensation that you've got to pay him X to get rid of him and then pay someone else Y, maybe to another club to, to get them and then uh, and then a salary. And then you then you're not that attractive to that new manager because of course you've been you're, you're, you know, his, his reputation is, is important to him and he might get relegated and gets a tick box on his CV. So you can see the various issues. So what do you do? I mean and, and there's the answer again. There's probably 20 answers what the various I mean I've learned sure. the lesson now I think what I would do is that I wouldn't I I, I put I put I put a, a clause in that we only pay six months money maximum if we get relegated so that means i already have it in for six months um i also don't believe that whilst most my manager would tell you and I, I, don't, I don't doubt him by the way that he's a he's a great asset to me and i'm sure he is the, the the point is majority of clubs don't make lots of money when they sell their managers because if you think mm -hmm. about it logically one manager's got to win the league uh, and what three are going to get relegated, and most of the rest of them aren't going to achieve a great deal. So a few of them, there'll be one or two that perhaps pop up, and, and Graham Potter, yeah, uh, yep. for example, great example. 
Uh, although was that him or was that the chairman's algorithms that's bringing the players in? Uh, and he's just, you know, there's the question. Again, well, and, there, and let's be honest, their, their recruitment has been phenomenal. I mean, if you look at, I mean, their relationships with, with Latin and Central America, if you look at some of the deals that they've done, um, you know, bravo to whoever's making those decisions. But in fact, we'll touch on this in a little bit because, you know, just for the listeners, uh, you know, to give you a bit of an insight, Steve and I were talking off air um, about one of Liverpool's big rivals, um, Everton. So same city. And Everton have, depending on when you're listening to this, Everton have recently, within the last 24 hours or so, parted company with Frank Lampard, who, of course, is a Chelsea legend. Steve is a Chelsea fan, which is how this came up in discussion. But it actually led to the discussion of, you know, the the, the British game is starting to see more and more directors of football who are making these kind of recruitments and signing decisions. And we've not really seen much of that. That was That's always been more of a European thing. Um but it does beg the question, who is signing the players at Everton Football Club when you're spending 500 million and you're still staring down the barrel of relegation, having just parted ways with your manager at this point of the season? It becomes quite scary to think, well, who is making the decision? And if you, it doesn't really matter what man, manager you bring in, if they still aren't able to have any influence on who you're signing and who you're bringing through, are you just going to repeat the same problem? I, I think that's right. I think... The problem is who who is the decision maker, and I think the problem the problem comes is if you have a manager making the decisions all the time, and the manager having his so and here's the problem with that: he, the manager comes in, he's got his scouts. When you get rid of the manager or the manager departs to past is new, mm. you lose your whole recruitment system. It's all back to square one. And all mm. the players you're watching go to the new club. If you put in a director of football, it gives the manager an easy out, of course, because he can say, well, I didn't actually want him or him or him or him. Normally, I understand it is that most directors of football will go to manager. The manager will say, I need a new right back. Then I give them a list of three. And then he'll pick from that three or you know, maybe it's five. I don't, I don't know. It depends on each, it depends on each club. So... They will have some input, and I'm, I'm guessing that a manager would be able to say, what about this player? And, yeah. and maybe, or I would hope that, that that player's stats would then be put through the, 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 the whatever process you know, that, that, that each club uses. Um, so uh, it, it, the, the question then comes down, who is to blame? Because if you're doing what Chelsea do at the moment, which is, you know, it's like uh, uh, buying a player every day. Yeah, um, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they've signed more midfielders this week than Liverpool have in five years. So, <laughs> well, that's the problem. And then, of course, what do you do? Because the manager, the manager's got to gel it all together. That's yeah, his job, which and, is tricky and as well. Got, he's only got eleven players on the field. However rich you are, you can only play eleven. So you can see the problem. So, so it's very difficult. And there is the blame game a lot in football. Who's responsible? No one ever is responsible. No one ever puts their hand in the air saying, "Actually, that one's on me." Um, it's rare for that ever to happen and quite refreshing when it does but I can't remember it happening too often um, no me it, neither it just doesn't happen so and that's part of, that's another part of the problem with football that no, there's no accountability you know every, everyone blames the chairman or they blame the board or they blame this and they blame that I mean because Everton will say well we've invested this 500 million we followed this we've set this system up we followed this advice there was an Everton legend in Unworth who, you know, if he's the one picking the players I don't yeah. know but he is he, he's the one that's doing it all and and, and and now we've lost all this money and the fans are, are, are living with us. Possibly building a new stadium. We, we don't know, you know, who, who, which league we're going to be in to fill it. So, mm. uh, and you've got the Everton fans who are seeing the, the, the fabric of their, you know, their hardworking bunch up there. And, the, and they, 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 they sit and see really the fabric of their club destroyed by this kind of unknown way of doing business. And I think they, they don't really know where they are. So it, it just comes a mess. No, oh, I agree. Well, and what's what I'm finding interesting from the the feeling around the city at the moment is, and I can't speak obviously for every fan because um, football is a game of opinions. But the general consensus appears to be that they they would rather have changed the board than have changed Frank Lampard. They they were well and truly behind their manager, um, and you know you you are, you don't often see that. I, I mean, it's 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 very true to say that managers don't get a long time in football. You know, a couple of bad results and the pressure's really on. But they. You know, Frank Lampard, in my opinion, as a Liverpool fan, has done a very good job, not just getting them near the relegation zone. I'm not being mean, but he he has. He's done a phenomenal job with the football club. But I, I, I'm not sure who would deal well under those circumstances of just being handed, you know, a hodgepodge of players when you can spend 500 million, but it doesn't mean you've spent it well. No, of course. It's how you spend the money. And I, I think, I think Lampard, Look, a lot, a lot of footballers they're given sadly, and it's not, it's not, it's really not true that they're, they're often 
deemed to be not very intelligent. Uh, and Lampard is the polar opposite of that. He, yeah. he is actually very intelligent. He's yeah. probably, I think he's like top two or three as in intelligence, I, I was told, in the league, you know, when he, when he oh, was wow. playing. He's Great. Really intelligent. Yeah, completely opposite. And um, he's got a lot of money and he's got a nice house. I know where he lives. You know, not that I'm, he's, a, he's a mate of my wife. I've met him before and spoken to him. He's very, very easy to talk to. And, mm. you know, he's, he's okay. So I can understand he's probably, look, he's got a PR lady that a lot of the people in the press aren't lovers of, um, which I don't think does him any favours. But as a person and in terms of bringing in players or not bringing in should we say taking decisions he, he's got to look at his decision making at Derby County he did well but of course he had people will say he had money he came to Chelsea it was a brilliant move from Chelsea's perspective because the fans were never going to turn on Lampard because no, he was never. a Chelsea legend to clear Chelsea couldn't sign any players because they were banned um, he brought in and blooded a lot of the players who you know Mason Mounts and Mason Mount uh, is a great example uh, yeah uh, Tammy Abraham, yeah, who's now at Roma, of course, etc. Yeah. Did very well, yeah. And, and you've got to give them. Then, it, then, it, then the wheels fell off the wagon a little bit. Now, my view is probably that they always were going to remove Lampard on the second year and put someone else in once the ban was over. And then he's gone to Everton. Now, why is he gone to? He doesn't need the money, so why is he gone to Everton? I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the big question mark. And the next move he makes is very important for him. I don't think people would say a fourth time that maybe there's something wrong with him. So no, he's got to get it right next time. Yeah, mud sticks eventually. Absolutely, I get that, and I agree with you as well about his move to Chelsea. I think he was a he was a stopgap, and that the fans were not going to turn on him because he was a legend. It reminds me a little bit, actually, a few years ago when Liverpool brought in Kenny Dalglish as manager for for a season or two. That felt very similar. Like the wheels were falling off. The squad needed a rebuild. This was naturally before Jurgen Klopp came in. Um, the the club needed a lot of work. It was it was not it wasn't in a good place, um, and the managers were coming under significant pressure. So appointing Kenny was a stroke of genius because even if we were playing the worst football in the world, nobody was ever going to turn against Kenny Dalglish. Um, no, so what's gone wrong with Liverpool this year? They're not hitting the same heights. I mean, why the change from, yeah. from, you know, it's a good question. It's a really yeah. good question. And and there's a, there's a there's a number of of answers that I think people give. I have my own personal opinion which I'll share, but I mean I don't know whether it's right. Um there is there is definitely something said uh, to be said about the freshening up of our midfield. That should have been a a progression over the past I'd say 3 maybe even 4 seasons cuz it's been 5 years since we've signed a midfielder. We we signed Arthur from um Juventus on loan. He's never kicked a ball for us. He's been injured the entire time he was there. That felt like a very um a very panic signing because we couldn't we couldn't find the people that we want. Liverpool have, have, have put themselves in a bit of an uncomfortable position here, actually, because uh, I don't know how much of this you've seen, but um, the press have been pretty much leaked as far as Liverpool have been concerned and briefed about the potential of signing Jude Bellingham. But everybody wants Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. So if Liverpool miss out on him, the reason we've not signed a midfielder for at least the last two seasons has been that we're waiting for Jude. So if you don't get Jude, I think that's going to upset a lot of fans and really cause some problems. And I'd also argue at this point that one signing does not fix that midfield. Um, you know, it, it, Fabinho is looking very tired. I think there's definitely something to be said that Liverpool played the record number of games last year because of the amount of tournaments that we were in. Um, yeah. Then obviously you had the World Cup break as well with many of our players there. So I, I, I think there is definitely something to be said about exhaustion. They're very yeah. tired. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think a lot of this, if, if we're really honest, comes down to, it's like the hangover of last season. You know, we were competing for four of the major trophies last season. We won two of them. We missed out. We just fell short. And you could see the signs of this at the beginning, at the end of last season. Sorry. Um, I think Liverpool will bounce back. We'll make some signings. We'll, we'll do, we'll do well. But uh, the, the major problem that we have is that Jurgen Klopp loves this pressing game this high intensity Gengen pressing game. And when you have players who are burnt out from the season before they stop pressing and his game does not work with that defensive high back line when you're pressing. And then from an owner's perspective, they look at this as you, you know, it's well publicized that they're trying to sell the club at the moment. So um, they're not, the impression I get is that they don't want to pump a load of money into something that they're in the process of trying to sell. That doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense. Um, but at the same time, they're looking at this thinking, well, how much of a rebuild is this going to need? Should we just wait till the new owners are here and let them spend the money? Or so, so Liverpool find themselves in a position on and off the field of a bit of limbo at the moment. Well, I think that's interesting. And also, 
how much of a loss for you is losing Mane? Yeah, Sally Mane is phenomenal yeah. player. Yeah, I think that was a crazy decision. I don't know why they did it. How much was he sold for? He wasn't a lot. It was like thirty million, something. something, yeah, something I think you've got a pittance for a player of his quality. Yeah, I couldn't understand it. I always loved Mane. To me, he was just a player that could do something spectacular in a moment. And, you know, I, just, I, Steve, I don't know this personally. This is secondhand information, but it, it felt a lot like it was Mo or Mane because I, I, the impression was that yeah. they didn't really get on all of that well. I know, no, okay. there's, there's been some people that will deny that, but there's there's been a number of occasions now where, where fans and, and journalists alike have had cause to say we're not sure they get on all that well. And both of them were up for a contract renewal and it was decided that Mo was going to finish his career at Liverpool, which naturally meant that Sadio needed to go. I don't think the club wanted him to go. Klopp certainly didn't want him to go. Bayern Munich came in with an offer and it seems to just be the best for all parties at that point. But I agree. He is a, he's a phenomenal player. The front three has not looked the same. We've also got to look at the injury problem, though, Steve. I mean, Liverpool currently have five front, uh, five of their f- forwards currently injured. Diogo Jota is injured. Luis Diaz is injured. Um, you know, we've spent eighty million on a striker who needs time to settle into the league, and frankly, has been thrown in at the deep end, and now has everybody's eyes and loads of pressure on him, expecting him to fail because he's not instantly hit the ground running. But if we look at how Jurgen Klopp has embedded players before, he usually takes a good 12 to 18 months before they start seeing regular first team football because he likes them to get up to speed with the league and the players and the team. And he's not had that luxury with uh, with Nunes. No, well, it's interesting. And I, I think the Jude Bellingham situation, what I understand to be the situation there is that at the moment, Real Madrid are favourites. Mm-hmm. And what I'm absolutely certain of um, is the following, that Jude Bellingham, seems like a guy, a youngster, he is young, but yeah. he's a guy with his head screwed on his shoulders properly. He he's not necessarily a guy that's, you know, you get some guys which are a little bit Larry and a little bit this and a little bit, he's not that. He He's a sensible guy. And I'm told he's going to go to the club, which is the best for him for footballing reasons. Yeah. So he will make that decision. And I think that's very sensible because what he's looking at is, look, at the end of the day, if he's going to get 100, 200, 300, 400,000, whatever it is a week, it's, mm. it's, it, he doesn't really, he's not going to spend it probably. He, he's not going to care. He's going to end up with endorsements and sponsorships and goodness knows what on top. So the money really is pretty irrelevant. I mean, it may not be for some players, but some players are all about, as my old manager used to say to me, they take the milk out of your tea. So I get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get that. <laughs> he, 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 uh, some players, it's all about the money and nothing else. They're not necessarily the best players, in my opinion, but, 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 but for him, it's going to be about footballing reasons. So I think he'll make a decision at the end of the season, he'll look at it. I think Real Madrid are the favourites at the moment. It's not to say he'll end up going there, but sure. it, it is to say that he'll look at where he feels they're going to play the, the game where he's going to be able to influence that match for that team and then he will he will take that decision based on based on those parameters at the end of the season so I think that, that that's which is I don't know if that's a comfort to you or not but it's probably the reality is it's fact isn't it um you know and and you know i've been reading some journalists recently some very liverpool journalists saying um it doesn't matter if liverpool finish outside the top four and i'm thinking a player like that of course is going to be interested in playing the champions league not for the financial reward but because he's a young man at the top of his career and as somebody whose career ended prematurely I know that one injury in this could be game over. So you you have to maximize your opportunity in the limelight and play the game to the best of your ability whilst you have the opportunity to do so. Um, so I, I will not begrudge him. I really hope he doesn't end up at a competitor, I think is my honest answer. I would hate to see him in a United or City jersey, got to be honest. Um, but, you know, great player, great for the English game, really impressive, would love to see him at my club, but I imagine I'm probably one of seven, eight, nine, ten clubs saying that same thing. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of choices. He's going to get a lot of choices. Good for him. And good, yeah. good, for, good for him. I wanted to just take it back slightly if we could, because I wanted to ask you a question. I, I have no idea whether this works or not, which is why I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to ask you while you're here. You were talking about how you would change the contract for a manager again, given the lessons that you've learned. And we were also talking about when a, a manager leaves, you lose all of that staff, right? And they, they, the whole recruitment department goes, the director of football is now somewhere else and you 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 start again from scratch I, I many years ago i owned a, an executive search firm and one of the things that i used to run into a lot with um board level um positions was a non-compete clause where they weren't allowed to go and work for a competitor for a certain amount of time 
is that something that we see in football? Is that something that you can see in football? Can you, can you, you know, when you mentioned about your recruitment department leaving, so suddenly those players are now another club's target list. Is is there nothing contractually you can do to try and prevent that? Well, yeah, look, there's, there's different points, different parts of that, uh, which are true. So Brighton's director of football, I think went to Newcastle from memory. He had a, he had a non-compete or a, a, a period of notice he had to work out. They should have done a deal in Newcastle or Brighton, or I forget which one, but one of them, one of them should have done a deal and just said, look, they'll give you X and, and he'll go. So all he then does is he sits at home. He can't be physically seen to be talking to players and stuff like that, but whether he, we both know it goes on and I'm yeah, not saying he did, but it's quite likely that in that situation, a other person would be speaking to, um, to, to players. So it's very hard to, to, to actually uh, do it. And also it's very hard to know their recruitment list. So with a normal football club, a director of football is appointed by the board. So mm-hmm. he's the board's man, as opposed to the player, uh, as opposed to the manager's man. And that gives the board a, Hold to the manager goes. The director of football does shouldn't shouldn't be very subjective. Shouldn't go with the manager, but right. of course um, the the board and the director of football's got his targets. The manager may have may or may not have their targets depending on how the club's set up. So um, I think they I think they're difficult to enforce. And the other thing is that the the courts in England don't like people not being able to do their jobs. So they can only be very reasonably short periods. Yeah, yeah. sure. So I think the the, pro- the problem is you, I think you have to set it up in such a way that you retain most of the cards. And I mean, the way that the best way to do it is to make sure that the players that you have are under proper contracts with the football club. So they can't just nick them. They have to pay you for them. And, um, and at least that way, okay, you'll still lose the players, but at least they'll bring some, 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 some pennies in them, yeah, which, mm-hmm. which allows you to go and find the next one. And so, and, and that unfortunately is the life of football. You've got to get used to it because that's just what happens. Although that being said, I think there's been a number of appeals processes when it comes to players leaving. I mean, I saw a couple of these at, at Liverpool, for example, when Liverpool signed Harvey Elliott is a great example. Um, yeah. And they couldn't agree on a, on, a, on, a, on a fee so it ended up going to a tribunal to take care of and I think Liverpool got a really good deal there I think he might have been Fulham might have been pretty angry with that deal so it's not even like you even with the agreement in place you've got the full you know confidence that the, the courts and the, the FA or, the, or whoever are going to be behind you in order to try and enforce that transfer deal it didn't it didn't work out that way in their favour in fact I think they probably feel remarkably short changed they are very upset about it and I think that's that's the point they when you go to a tribunal, it gets very difficult and it's a little bit difficult as well. For example, when it's the academy kids, we've lost some of our kids, you know, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds to other professional clubs. We get nothing. We get no compensation whatsoever. It's completely wrong. It's one of my big bugbears. I've spoken to the FA about it. I've said, how can it be that there's only 92 clubs that can protect their assets. And there's thousands of football clubs in England, but they can't protect anything. They can't have anything for all the work they've done. So I can have a kid all the way through from five years of age to, to, to 15. I can't, I'm not legally allowed to put him on a contract until he's 18 or 17, depending on the legal situation, but not before 17. So I can't do anything about it. And then they can be stolen for you and you get zero compensation. That can't be right. Yeah. No. Um, so, and the problem then is, I mean, Chelsea bought a player recently off Cambridge, I think it was a year ago, they bought the goalkeeper, he was 13, I think they paid £150,000 for him. Now, um, at 13, and that's what these clubs do, they go round, they're allowed to go in, there's a fixed amount of compensation, it's all agreed, it's not that much, but it can be quite a lot, if the player then goes on, because they get money then if he plays, so it's, it's, a, it's an agreed amount, which at least that's something, you're getting something for your efforts, and, and it, of course it allows the big clubs to go and cherry pick who they want, which, but that's the, just the nature of the world that we live in, the, the, sure. the rich generally get richer, and that's just how it is, so I think you can't change that, um, but I think it, at least they get something, so I think there needs to be a whole change in the way that academies are put together and kids are put together in the way that people are compensated for for their work because that's what we're, we're doing we are working hard with these kids and we and we should there should be a level of compensation if we come across a good one I no i agree well look based on that hard work that you're talking about i, I have a couple of questions for you around um around king's Lynn and around kind of how you got involved so I guess the first question, and probably one that I imagine will make you laugh, is why? Um, because you know, I've, I've I've heard many people say that the fastest way to lose your fortune is to buy a football club. So, wh- why did you do this? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, I I tell you what it is. I had a seat. I, I I was quite. I used to watch Chelsea home and away. I never missed a game in Europe. Um, so I'll give you an example. I I went to every single European game from when they first got into Europe in the early nineties 
to uh, right through. Yeah, and then the, it got to Bayern Munich when we were playing Bayern Munich, and they wouldn't give me a ticket. Because they said I haven't been to enough games. I said, How can I not been to enough games when I've been to every single one that I could have possibly have been to? There's no, I haven't missed any. In actual fact, I was one of probably only five or six fans that had done that. So wow. it, it was crazy. And then, you know what? The problem is, I haven't bought a lot of my tickets through Chelsea because I don't want to sit in the away end because the away end is behind the goal. My eyesight isn't the greatest. So I like to sit somewhere in the middle of the park so I can see what's going on. Right. So I did buy a lot of the tickets. Not always. I did buy a lot through the club when I was, I had an executive membership at one point and I used to pay to, you know, a, 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 an insane amount of money to sit on the plane with the players. I mean, I only did it so I it was easy. I could go in and watch the game come out. Um, and then I, so I did, they had, they had, they should have had some kind of record that I've been to a lot of those matches, but, but it all counted for nothing. And I just felt, you know what, this whole, the, the, this Premier League stuff, whilst it's, don't get me wrong, it's amazing football, it's an amazing product, et cetera, et cetera, but it has no soul, really. Mm. It has no soul. And I just felt I much more enjoy myself trying to get a hold of a smaller club and trying to get them up through the leagues and play and, and, and trying to find players. Because I've, I've always thought I've been quite good at, you know, you, you can't, I'm not a coach. I never will be a coach, but I'm sure. quite good at finding players. So, and I've spotted so many in my days, which, you know, watching clubs and they've gone on into, into big clubs. And so I thought I'd enjoy that. Plus it, 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 football is such a different array of different businesses. It makes up it marketing and it makes up, um, you, you know, the, 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 the side of actual operational side of the business. So there's lots of different areas to it. And I just thought it would be an interesting challenge. And, 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 and it's something where you can leave a bit of a legacy. Yeah, you can yeah. you can take it and go somewhere. And obviously you can also screw it up completely and end up like the worst guy in town. So um so that was it. So I, I was visibly looking for lots of pubs. Um, um I only looked at me in Norfolk where I I live in Norfolk and my wife said to me, I, I nearly bought this is quite common knowledge, I nearly bought Wrexham right uh quite close to it. Um and you know, it just didn't happen. It was one of those things. And um, you know, they've got far better owners than me now, and they'll they'll take the club to much better, you know, far far beyond what I could have done. So mm -hmm. well done to them. But 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 my wife then said, you know what, if you think you're gonna buy a club that far away, that's that's not gonna work unless you move the whole family with us. So because I lived in Norfolk, I live in Norfolk. I couldn't afford Norwich, and the only other club with legs was Kings Lynn. So that's right. why I, I I I picked Kings Lynn because it's it's a club that can genuinely it's an old it goes back to eighteen eighties and it sometimes does. some people were born. It's got got that longevity. So phenomenal uh, history. Yeah, phenomenal history. Big old league club could do something. Could could easily be an Accrington. Could easily be a, you know a club like that and and hold its own in League One. But of course, we've got to get there. So that's that's why I got involved. Was it a stupid decision? Um, possibly. Uh, it's taken <laughs> a lot more time than I realised. Um, has it been enjoyable? Not really, I'll be honest. And there are, there are moments that you enjoy, but yes. it's not necessarily enjoyable because the pressure, you know, it's, it's a, look, if we had beaten Stevenage, we would have probably made £400,000 by going to Aston Villa. But right. in, rea in reality, we, that one game, cost us you know we would have made 80 grand for beating steve and it's plus another 400 probably in game receipts so you can see what maybe i don't know what the game receipts were i'm guessing it was that but but, sure. but so it's a, you know it all comes down to one match now we didn't deserve to beat steve don't get me wrong so and they were the worthy winners but but we gave a good showing i thought we did our best but you know they they they, were, they obviously have got a bigger budget and they're a bigger team than us and so they went they went through so they did mm. well but but we did our best. so, so the game i try to say is it, it, it there's a lot of pressure on very and very small moments uh, can can change your life in football. Well, it almost feels so. So, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know you've been involved in many businesses before. And one of the things that I've often found about about my businesses, for example, is I'm a bit of a control freak. I know this about myself. So, if I want to have any sort of major impact on something that's happening in my business, I can. I have to get better at delegating naturally, which I I have. But I have full mm -hmm. control of what happens in my business. I don't feel like you have that control in football because there's too many moving pieces. There's too many things that are not dependent on you in the slightest. In fact, there are so many things that aren't even dependent on the people that work under you. I mean, if if you're if you're playing, I mean, how many times have we seen this in football? If you're playing against a team and you're you're the better team and you're doing really well, and then somebody just pulls out, a, you know, something out of the bag and scores a goal from twenty yards out and puts it in the top corner in, in injury time, it's game over. <laughs> like, and being worthy of winning does not guarantee you winning. I mean, there are many games that you and I have both seen as as fans and otherwise where we should have won the game and we didn't and vice versa where you've won a game and you've left puffing out your cheeks going we didn't deserve that but all right we'll take it <laughs> look we played my second season first season at kingsley we didn't do anything i had to spine my feet the second season we we got to the playoff we made the playoff final we played slough at home we were one nil up 
I think we won it up. Anyway, it went to one all. And the 88th minute, they scored the winner. Yeah? Mm. And I think we were the better team that day. It was hot. There was lots of reasons. It was really hot. The game was delayed because of people coming in, because the crowd was so big. The, 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 we had, it, it was just unbearably hot. Lots of things. And, and, and on that one, that one moment, yeah, the mm. whole season just evaporated and we didn't go up. I think we finished above Slough in the league. But yeah, that, as you say, that's it. That, that, that guy wasn't it. on my Christmas. List. That's all yeah, I yeah, exactly. I get that. So, so that's that's football for you, and that's the bit you right. You right. You say you can't control these things. All you can do is uh, you, the bits you can control is if you if you if you're working well with your manager, you can you can work together to build build a team, build prospects. Some you know the manager will say he's not ready for me now, but he might be ready for me next season. So you get those guys in place, and then you hopefully. I mean, we, we've sold, I don't know how many players, but probably about 20 players since I've been there, which is a lot for a non-league football club. Most people don't sell anywhere near that amount. And mm. so it is possible to do it, but you have to set it up. And it's not just about luck. You know, you have to put in the work to, to, to put that together. And we've set up an academy and we've set up, um, we've got 300, over 300 kids now. Uh, every, uh, between five oh, years wow. of age and 16. And then we've got another 60 kids who are 16 to 18 in, uh, with a school and working together. So there's, um, uh, we put that in, we've set up a charity called Linux in the Community. So we go out into schools, into, into places where there isn't so much money and we spread spread lights, not just about football, by the way. We, you know, we have coffee mornings for those that are lonely and we had four on our first morning. We had a, uh, eight, now we've got 13. Now it's gone into, yeah, people are now making friends. Yeah, lots of things you can, you can do. A lot of football can be a really good force for good. Yeah, it can also be the opposite, right. but it can really be a force for good if you use it well. So, so there's a lot to it. But of course, as you say, there are a lot of moving parts and you can't control hardly any of it. You can only, no. all you can do is put the framework together and hope that the people you delegate to, to turn up and do, a right, do the right job. I've well, done that. I will say this, credit to you when I've been doing research ahead of the interview. I have actually read a lot about the fan and community engagement work that you do and, and that gets some some really good feedback and, and I think not enough clubs really do that. But I, I did want to ask you on that because I always like this question when I'm speaking to particularly owners of clubs. When it comes to fan engagement, do you find it exciting or do you find it intimidating? Because fans have the ability to make or break a club, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, they can make life very difficult for certain owners. They have, I mean, and, it, and what's difficult sometimes is the fans don't, I, I always say by saying is the fans don't know what they don't know. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it's, it, you can't always tell them everything. You, you want to, but you just can't for a number of different reasons. And if they knew sometimes that why you've made a decision or how you've got to that decision, they'd, they'd understand it. But, but you're sure. not able to, I don't know. That's the difficult part I find uh, with dealing with fans because you want to be a lot more open, but you're just not able to be. Um, but I, look, I have no problem with our fans. They're a good bunch. They have a song about me, which is quite funny. Um, I guess you've got to worry when they don't have songs about you. Um, <laughs> it depends I, what the song it, says. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not a failure to say it was a little bit rude, so I can't that. But, uh, um, but it, it takes the mickey out of you in a fun way. And you've got to, you've got to be prepared to laugh at yourself. You can't take yourself too seriously sure. in this game. So, um, but but I I like speaking with the fans. I mean, I enjoy it. I and mean, you know, we look, we went to Brackley the other week. The game was postponed when we got there. One guy went came from Watford to get the game. Another guy I met came from Middlesbrough. You know, wow. uh, he got there. Yeah, you know, and you think to yourself, this is a small non-league club. There was a load of people, and, but yet you're still very. And that's the hardest part to grasp that you are carrying a big burden. You're carrying their club. It's their club. You know, and you're yeah, you're just you're the custodian. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're having to make the decisions, and, and of course, you can't get it wrong. And it is so easy. Yeah, and it's not always those guys' fault when they've gone wrong. Clubs. It can just be things can just very very easily uh, get out of control. They can mm. they can snowball, and then people can be in trouble. So. So um, I don't think I think sometimes people are very harsh around this, but it has failed. But sometimes it's not failed for their own, you know, for, because of their own fault. Sometimes it just happens, and you know, mm. sometimes it happens. And, and but, but obviously, there's a lot you can do to try and make sure it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But if you if you, for example, budget for X X to come through the gate and you don't play very well and only Y comes through the gate and you're short by 50%, you're going to be short of money, aren't you? And you can't just sure. go to the players mm. and say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll have to lose you this week and do you mind going to sign for someone else because our crowds aren't up? It can't do it. And these are the kind of problems which make it very difficult in business to, you know, business decisions which make it hard to run. 
Well, I thought uh, a fantastic insight for for what you're talking about there with the not being able to be completely honest with fans you want to be, but not being able to do that was the Sunderland documentaries that that came out with the behind the scenes of Sunderland, because you would cut to the fans and they'd be like, "Why aren't we signing a striker? We've lost our only striker." Meanwhile, it cuts to the board and they're trying four, five, six different strikers, and clubs are holding them over a barrel and basically holding them hostage because they know they need it, and then absolutely milking them for money. And then you know they sign a player, the player's supposed to be coming up for a medical, and then he disappears off to another club because his agents use that to leverage another deal and obviously the fans aren't privy to this they don't know what's going on as far as the fans are concerned we need a striker and we haven't signed one what are the board doing they don't see the 18 20 hour days that often go into those transfer windows trying to find the money and scrape together the deals whilst also trying to fight off the sharks who smelt blood and are trying to come in and take your best assets that's difficult to manage it's exactly right. When you you hit the nail on the head, it's just that's a that's a good example of you know you're, you're putting the work in and you look you you end up with your targets and, and sometimes you've got to get in get into those targets very very early. But the agent you see will often take your bid as you say and then they'll take it around to several other clubs you know, and say Kingsley want this guy or Liverpool want that guy yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then and then we're going to sign this unless you make your mind up and they just use it as a staging post it's very important that you you um well there's very little that you can do about it you're just relying on a bit of integrity and unfortunately that there isn't that much integrity sometimes with agents some have got integrity there are some that are okay but there's not there's not they're not in the majority i'm sorry to say we could go for days i do have a few more questions for you before we go but i'm but i'm, I'm interested to talk to you about a couple of things one of the one of the ones that stands out for me is i was recently reading an article about how many non-league football clubs are running at a loss, um, right. you know, which was a substantial amount. <laughs> um, it was quite overwhelming, actually. And and it almost feels like a, a bit of a game of roulette. You know, people are, are putting money and putting resources and burning the candle at both ends in the hope that they get that promotion. But as you've rightly sort of alluded to earlier in the conversation, you know, three teams will go down and a handful will go up. And, and there's the the vast majority of that iceberg, if you will, is smack bang in the middle going nowhere. But what can be done, do you think, outside of trying to improve things like the streaming deal to try and allow clubs like this to increase their revenue so that A, there is more to invest if they need to be and B, that they can run as profitable businesses? Because it, it feels... As an outsider looking in, it feels dangerous. I think there's more, you know, Berry Town football clubs on the horizon where clubs with incredible history will will push just that little bit too hard and they will go pop. And that's mm. that's terrifying to see when you look at some of the clubs that are 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 definitely burning the candle at both ends and the history that would be lost if they do that. Yeah, so I, I think there's several problems here. I think the first problem is that these are rough figures, but if you're in League Two. Um, which is the league above the National League, you get about 1.4 million a year, mm-hmm. from, from mainly from the Premier League. And I think the Premier League needs to be thanks for this. This is the plus side of the Premier League, that the, the moment they're trying to negotiate with the, the EFL, the English Football League, they, they get about 16% at the moment. They've been offered 19% and the EFL wants 24%. Frankly, I think even getting 19%, they've got to be patted on the back today. It's not their product, the EFL, and they get, so they're giving the money for nothing. So I think that's a great thing from the, um, in my opinion, from the, from, from the Premier League to do it. But the National League, you get about 100 grand. Right. Now, the wage bill in the National League and the wage bill in the EFL aren't that dissimilar. And there are some, there are some wage bills, such as Wrexham's, such as probably Notts County, which are far above most wage bills in League Two. So the problem you've then got is you've got to, you've got, you've got to, uh, uh, they want you, the league, to be competitive. So how can I, if I'm in the National League and I'm, I'm against Wrexham who are paying people six, seven, eight thousand per week, paying two hundred fifty thousand pound transfer fee. And by the way, they probably can afford it because they've got film stars and they've got three million pounds in sponsorship. They've got sure. ten thousand people. They can afford to do it. But how can I put out a competitive team against them? I can't. So what then happens is you either have to say, well, let's not go into that. We've just got to stay into the league. And, and it, but, it, but it does make you want to spend more money to try and be competitive. Obviously, you can't get to their level, but you spend more. And, and that's wrong. And then also the gap in the money between the League Two and the National League is wrong. So the only way around it, 
and, and it does it won't work because the problem is that the Premier League and I think there is more money going to come down by the way because I think this this Crouch report which is coming out I think the regulator isn't going to be imposed on on the football I think the I think the government want the football league to to work out their regulation between themselves so they're going to right. make a couple of years to do it but I think as a, as a fig leaf the Premier League are going to throw more money. I don't know how much, but down that down the divisions, which is sensible. But the problem you then got is if everyone's getting, I don't know, let's just say they gave everyone an extra three hundred thousand in the National League. What will happen is the agents will turn up, the players will turn up. They all want more money, and and sure. and you end up in the same situation. So that's the problem. So you need to solve. You've just got to be a bit sensible about it, and and that's why I personally like young players. I mean, we had Sonny Carey, who's now at Blackpool. He wasn't. He was my least paid player. But yeah, he's probably he's probably now earning more than any of our players. So, and I always said that to him. So it's it's just it, 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 you know the money you can, you can find these lads who are, who are genuinely got got it in them, and they just want to be a footballer, and mm-hmm. they don't really care at this stage about money. They just want the opportunity. And, and so, if you get that right, you you can still not spend very much and 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 do okay. But but I think it's. That's the problem. It's the gulf in in the differences in what. And, and don't forget, the National League North and South are getting twenty grand. So twenty grand, a hundred grand, one point four million, and there's the there's the the problem. So I, see um, that. I, I think that's the main problem with it. But it but it you're absolutely right. There are too many people gambling, spending too much money. Um, there hasn't been a problem in the National League. The National League will tell you that all their problems are problems that have been the English Football League clubs. That have been relegated, and they they were prob- problems when they were in the EFL, and they've inherited that problem as opposed right. to creating that. That would be their argument back to you, and it's a fair argument to be fair because it's probably probably right. Um, but South End have got you know debts of millions yeah, to the inland revenue and the HMRC. They have a season ticket in court. They go to court every few weeks, and they get adjourned. Um, and eventually, of course, the judge judge. Judges will just rule it and say, "Look, I've had enough of this. Yeah, you keep coming back." And I've, you know, and Scunthorpe at the moment, obviously, they're possibly in the middle of the takeover, just about to happen or has happened. I don't know, but but they're, they're in a lot of trouble. So it, I think the good thing is, as things go go going well, they snowball. It's the same when you're going badly wrong. Sure. Basically, you know. And, and and as a final point, if you look at the clubs that go down, which is very interesting, last season Oldham and Scunthorpe got relegated out of the football league. Scunthorpe are bottom now of the National League and Oldham are about fourth or fifth from bottom or somewhere, somewhere around around there. We look at the clubs that went down from the National League, ourselves have bucked the trend, but you take the other two, which was uh, Weymouth, they're second from bottom of the National League South, and Dover are towards the bottom end of the National League South as well. So it, 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 that's the thing. Yeah, I'm always worried mm-hmm. about the clubs coming up in the league when I'm a, if I'm in that league as opposed to the clubs coming down because the clubs coming down have got a problem normally. Yeah, I get that. No, I get that. Okay, last two questions for you. This is fascinating. Since 2016, I imagine it's been a real learning curve. You've said it's not been particularly enjoyable. There's been some enjoyable moments, but you wouldn't describe the experience as enjoyable. What was been, what's been the biggest surprise for you? What's been that thing that once you crossed over that line and went into football ownership as opposed to a football fan that you've gone, Jesus, I didn't know this happened, or <laughs> that thing that's just really taken you by surprise? What is it? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, um, what has been the most? I mean, it's, it's a very good question because there's a lot of things that have surprised me. Um, I suppose the amount of the way it's skewed that ninety nine percent of the money goes on the pitch, one percent really is off the pitch. You know, mm. and that I mean, everyone says, well, on the pitch is fine. Well, of course, it's fine, but all the money is on the pitch. But there's there's no money off it. And, <laughs> yeah. um, that's the problem. <laughs> so, or, and, and I suppose what's also interested me or, or surprised me a little bit is that there are one or two individuals that do a lot, do all of it. Yeah. And the vast mm-hmm. majority, um, uh, I mean, I went to Chippenham Town once and they had a poster saying, before you complain, do you volunteer? And, and I thought that was quite an interesting poster because it's making the point that, you know, most people are volunteers and they are doing And I, I look at the flip side of that and you can't tell volunteers off yeah, because they're volunteering. So, sure. going on. so is, that, is that the right model? Uh, and, and this is the problem. Is, it, it, I suppose the most surprising is getting that balance. Because for every solution, if you think it's a solution, that it, not, it, it actually can be creating a problem in a different way. Yeah. Which so it's, it's, it's getting that balance right and it's very hard to do in, in, in football. And the other thing is you've got to be so... 
what's the word? Um, you've got to be you've got to be everything to everyone, yeah, and everyone mm. wants a bit of you. Um, and you've got and and it's so difficult. And there's so many. There, there is a we haven't got this, but a lot of clubs have got a little hierarchies, and there's lots of people that don't like this guy and they don't like that guy. The and I suppose the other thing is what goes on behind the scenes, which I can't talk about on here because we both get sued. Um, you'd be amazed at the stories. You think, God, is that really the truth? Is that really? and 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 it, and it comes down to really odd things, and you think to yourself. If only everyone knew the reason behind that transfer. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and things like that. True. And, that, you know, and it's, you know, multi-billion pound deals. God, I never knew. So I suppose there's a lot of things I, I didn't, you know, that have surprised me. That, but equally, it doesn't surprise me in the same way that you, you, you expect to be surprised because it, it, it's such a surprising industry. Yeah. And the way that it works and operates, it's, it's unique. It is unique. And I think that's what's fascinating about this industry is it, it is unique. So you, I, I talk about, um, in my line of work, I talk about industry cross-pollination a lot. And industry cross-pollination is learning what's working in other industries around the world and being able to apply that to your sector. But football is quite different in that respect because it is unique and it's quite difficult to, to, to do that. Um, I actually smiled as you were talking about, we won't name names, but I was smiling as you were talking about that story about being surprised because Many years ago, I learned about a player who was transferred from a large Premier League club and everybody was very surprised about his transfer. And it's because he'd taken the manager's daughter out on a date. Um, and the manager refused to work with him again. And the, the fans didn't know this. They were like, "Why are we selling him?" And it's like, "What's going on?" It was. It's. It comes down to personal reasons. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, Chelsea sold, you know, one of their players because there was a fallout between one 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 girlfriend yeah, was taken by another player. Yeah. The, oh wow. Same, yeah. yeah. And, and you wouldn't believe what the players were. When you believe it, but my work. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what's surprising about it. And, and there and then he's gone on to become a huge star. And you think, so what? Uh, yeah, is you know that must be incredibly frustrating from an owner's perspective, though, because as you said, you're trying to be all things to all people. You're spinning all these plates. You're trying to get this stuff in. You're putting 99 percent of the money on the pitch, and then two players have a fallout, or one of them starts seeing the other one's sister or something. You think, are you guys having a laugh? Like I'm trying to put a football club together. <laughs> exactly. well, that, that's it. That, that's the business. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't every day is a challenge. It sounds fun. Well, it sounds fun, and it also sounds infuriating. Actually, I think there'll be days that that many people would enjoy it, and days that people are banging their head through a wall. Uh, Steve, listen, I've been so grateful for your time. I do have one final question before we finish, mm. and, it, and it's a question I always I always like to ask people because I'm I'm fascinated by the different answers that come from this. Which is, is it better to teach business to sports or sports to business? It's. Um... I think football is a bad business, inherently a bad business, um, because whatever comes in is spent um, and it goes out. But equally, I think that, so I think that, uh, but, but, it, but, but the problem is bringing in a traditional business model into, into football doesn't really work either because it's a unique business. And I know people will say it's what, you know, it's totting up what comes in, what goes out and making sure you don't spend more going out than what comes in. But that's all true. But it's how it works, yeah? the intricacies of, the, of, the, of, of that. So I, I think both can learn off each other. I think you can learn off business and learn off sport. I think it's a bit incestuous. I think there's a lot of football clubs that go to the same advisors every time and they get given CVs of people who are, shall we say, safe people. And you'll be amazed at how how closed the small network of people are yeah, um, mm. that, that keep getting the same jobs. I mean, it's amazing for me that so many managers fail, repeatedly fail, and they carry on. I mean, if we, if we, if we go on to, a, to, to Everton, I mean, my, my view has to be Sean Dice, as we were saying, off, off has to be Sean Dice because he, he, he used to get a big bonus for keeping Burnley up every year. And the first year they got rid of him, they get relegated. Yeah? Yeah, you have to, therefore, and, and Everton can't play games. They've got to stay in that league. Then they can all sort out their game. Correct. So um, that's what I would do. Now, that that might be... Uh, but you, I, I, So from my perspective, I think there are there are, there are so many um, things that I've learned, but they're equally... And people have come in. I, I've brought business people in, and they've said to me, this is how we're going to do things. And they've either upset people, yeah, or they've, um, uh, uh, they've, they've misunderstood how things work. And they say, well, how... How can this be? I can't be spoken to in this way by, and sometimes, you know, I'm not saying it's right, but sometimes people ask, not by myself, but they're spoken to by other people. And, and it's a little bit like walking on eggshells. And again, that's not necessarily right, but there's no other industry like that where people can, you know, where, let's just say, I don't know, let's give an example, Pep Guardiola, yeah? 
if he had an off day, yeah, and he had it swore at the, his boss, whoever his boss happened to be. I don't know who's direct line bosses. Yeah? Sure. They're not going to attack him for it. Yeah. I'm, no. yeah, I'm like, yeah. So, because he's Pep Guardiola. Do you see what I mean? So, so yeah. I'm not saying. Or could you imagine trying to justify that to the fans? We've let him go because <laughs> yeah. he had an argument with, with his he's, boss. He swore at some guy he'd never heard <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and, 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 you know, I'm sure Pep Guardiola's not like that at all. Whatever no, name yeah. Not but, the impression I get from him. I'm just trying to make the point and show a, a ridiculous example of something. So, just do it. Uh, but, but, then, but there does need to be really some i, th- I think it's the, the, the business of football could be a lot better business and I, I i spoke to one chairman a few weeks ago he said to me look um we're all enemies out there and he pointed to the pitch but in here we're all friends and i think that there was more of that which is one of the reasons why my podcast started i mean it started to keep fans in touch during covid and then, it, and then people loved it. It became a kind of cultish thing where people like to, I don't know why. Like, yeah, I think it's fantastic. In fact, for, yeah. for the people viewing this and listening, I, I highly recommend that you go and check out the I Bought a Football Club podcast. That's actually how Steve and I met. And I was I was fascinated by it. I mean, it was, uh, it was funny because I came to it quite late, actually. But I got to hear about, you know, what was happening during lockdown and is the league going to be cancelled and what 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 difference does it have if we null and void the Premier League based on what's happening in non-league and we got to hear about the the whole fiasco that, that came around with the, the parachute payments to try and keep people in the league and how some people did very well out of that and other clubs didn't seem to do that well out of that um, and there were some phenomenal conversations that came out of that and I really I really enjoyed it because as a, as, as a sports consultant who spends more of my time on the business side than the fan side as, as big a fan as I am I, I feel like this is the side of football that we don't get to see we get to see what's happening on the pitch. I, I I can tell you what the Liverpool players had for breakfast and what time they turn up for training, thanks to Instagram. I have no idea what's going on in the board. No, no idea at all. And I think that's that was the bit that people learn. <clears throat> One of the surprising things in football are, is to me that they if I rang up, and this sounds silly, but three of my competitive clubs, we have a business opportunity in football for them to make money. I'm not saying they all would, but most of them wouldn't take it. So here's an example. Mm. When, uh, there's an incredible business called Low Six, which Low Six make free-to-play games. Um, right. And and I had a deal with them where we we were we were having they, every week we asked our fans certain questions. You know, would Kingsley score a goal in the second half? Would we, would 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 X player score? Whatever they were, and the player, sure. the person with the most right answers got 250 quid. It was free to enter. They don't play this game anymore, by the way, but this is just to illustrate the point. It was free to enter, and every time someone entered, I got a pound. So if I had 300 fans doing it, 400 fans doing it, I got 400 quid. And when I went to away, I got 400 quid for that as well. So for me, it was, you know, 40 40 games, yeah, 16,000 quid a year. What a great business that is for doing nothing, just a little bit of food. And people liked to play it, and it was free, and there was no no loss to be lost, but it was free for them to play. I took it to lots of people. Yeah, no one mm. was interested. I mean, I took it to some Premier League clubs via They were interested, but that's a different level. But at our own level, they mm. were they weren't interested because I don't know why they just didn't say. And then we did a podcast with the guy that runs that 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 particular business called uh, called Jamie, nice guy. And then what happened then is some of the clubs I took it to, they 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 rang directly to Jamie to see <laughs> whether they could do it. Now, you know, I. That's the problem with the business, you know. I mean, it, mm. and it's not like I was just trying to do them a favour. There was nothing in it for me. I was just it was just a, it was just a thing, and and that's the problem with football. Everyone's so suspicious that they're an ulterior motive, or is there something? Not everyone, but a lot of people. Are. But there isn't any yeah, ulterior motive. Get, just trying to say, look, this is something that worked for me. This might work for you. That's it. You know. Yeah, that's interesting do you know that's one thing that actually i think football has in common with a lot of other types of business sectors as well one of the things that i find a lot um as a consultant is everybody's all keeping the same secrets from each other they're like don't tell our competitor this is how we do things it's like i don't need to tell them they've been doing the same thing for five years but they're all keeping the same secret from each other and it's fascinating because actually if they were to collaborate together they might come out with better ideas that help each other grow but they're absolutely just refuse to enter into that conversation because it's like no no we have to keep all of this stuff secret and it's hilarious because you watch it and you think i'm working with five businesses in this sector i'm under you know i'm under a non-compete i can't talk i'm not i'm not allowed to say anything everything's under nda and uh and i'm thinking they all they're all doing the same thing <laughs> i'm not allowed they're to tell any of them but they're all doing the same thing <laughs> and even the nda like the whole purpose of the nda is because they don't want me telling their secrets and then i get in there and realize they don't have any um how many, how many ndas have you signed or 
or this is a very interesting question. This because I because I because I, I people say we signed an NDA. That's a short sign. But I've never known an NDA to go to court. Have you ever known an NDA no. to go to court? I, I've signed hundreds of them, and I've never exactly. seen one go to court. So what's the point? It, it's, it, it's peace of mind, isn't it? It's a, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I have no idea, actually. It's a very good point. Um, it, uh, I don't really see the purpose of it either. I've never known one go to court on either side of the planet. But you imagine uh, proving it, proving it. You, someone. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. to take it back a little bit, it's kind of like when you were talking about with that, you know, if somebody was to leave a club and they were had a non-compete, how do you know that it's them giving the instructions to the club to go and talk to particular players? You'd have a very hard time proving that. Um, right. And it's very similar as with an NDA, isn't it? Um, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, re- I really appreciate this. I've, I've enjoyed this a lot. I, I've learned a lot. I suspect we'll, we'll do another one, actually. In fact, I'm probably going to do a panel discussion a little bit later in the year with, when we'll bring a few people on. And as you've said, there's a number of people who I think would run away from that because they'd be terrified to be on the same discussion as somebody. But I'm quite keen to actually bring on different owners and different people from football around the world and have this discussion and kind of talk about different talking points and see if there is any geographic cross-pollination maybe some ideas that we can share so you're very welcome to join us for that um very best of luck for the rest of the season boxes steady hustle no stopping making it happen put words into action and quitting is never an option no time to be a loser gonna live the life that you choose to time to make a little money and gain some influence with phil palucha yeah i am phil palucha let's go hey billionaires billionaires and boxes hey billionaires